your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Add Bruce Cassidy's name to the VGK coaching rumor mill. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. You could follow us at Locked On VGK on Twitter and on YouTube. Myself at Tony Dasco on Twitter. And Chris Golick is at TD Chris G on Twitter. Thank you all for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And yesterday, Chris, the Boston Bruins perhaps used Bruce uh, Cassidy as a scapegoat for the front office. He was fired yesterday. GM Don Sweeney using that same script that Lou Lamorello used. And then in turn, Kelly McCrimmon also utilized that script that said that the bees, the Boston Bruins need a, quote, new voice in the locker room. Uh, Sweeney said after 14 years working again that it was a very tough uh, decision he had worked with Sweeney for the past uh, decade plus Cam Neely the team president said that Bruce had been a fantastic coach and again they wish him the best of luck and all of that but the firing comes at a time when the Bruins front office is under fire for not putting the right players on the ice in Boston Uh, they lost in the playoffs they lost in a game seven uh, game they lost by one goal to Carolina so it was a really tight series, and you lose in a game seven, game that could have gone in either direction. Each team held on its home ice. The Bruins won 245 games since they hired Cassidy. They made the playoffs all six years that he was a head coach. A lot of my media friends, Chris, in the Boston area, they say that Cassidy is a really good guy, and he's been very honest. So I don't know if I'll fit in here in Las Vegas. Gerard <laughs> Gallant uh, type honesty, which might not be good right here in Las Vegas. But first, let's talk about the firing, and uh, then we can take it from there. And I also believe that Cassidy was fired by George McPhee in Washington, right? After a slow start, a season removed from making the playoffs, uh, finishing second in the East. So I have to wonder, too, if McPhee and McCrimmon would go after Cassidy should a deal for Barry Trotz fall through. A lot to unpack there. But <laughs> yeah, definitely, Tony. Um, looking through uh, Cassidy's career, 2008-2009 starts starts with uh, Boston as an as an assistant at the AHL level, and then fast forward to 21-22, he's let go after six consecutive playoff runs, and also they did just fine. Uh, the Province Bruins, that is, did just fine with him head coaching there. So this is as homegrown as a coach as you can have. I don't know if it's necessarily a scapegoat situation or if it's simply he's been with them for so long, maybe it is time for a new voice. Um, I mean, stop me if you heard this one before. He won a Jack Adams Award a couple years ago, and now he just got fired. Um, It's hard to completely digest. I got a buddy of mine who's a big Bruins fan. I just sent him a text last night, and he doesn't understand it either. Um, Maybe this... This truly could be that new voice is needed type of situation. He's just been there so long. He knows the players so well. He knows the organization so well. 
And sometimes after you've been in one place for this long, it truly could simply be, hey, let's get a new voice in here. Let's see if that kind of, uh, you know, gets more energy and gets the troops going. But looking ahead for Boston, there's going to be a lot of change. Bergeron obviously is out now. Amazing career he's had. Um, a lot of other players are simply injured. They're aging. So this could simply be the Bruins just blow, the, the start of blowing it up and starting completely fresh. Looking past that, would uh, Cassidy work in, in Vegas? I would like him. Uh, he does have at least the playoff pedigree. He's been to a Stanley Cup final before. So he knows uh, what the grind is like to go through. And I think he's going to be have more motivation now than ever because I seriously doubt he saw this coming. So Cassidy or Trotz, that has to be the biggest question. That's the question we were asked yesterday on Twitter. <laughs> I think that would be a pretty uh, difficult decision to make. Uh, but again, there are options for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, one of the drawbacks for my friends in Boston, too, uh, had said yesterday was that Cassidy has been known to be really tough on the younger players and not tough like in a tough love sort of way like we see in New York, uh, but in a more difficult way. Uh, and VGK has Brendan Brisson and Logan Thompson even uh, that you need to develop their talent. And then as well, you have all that talent in the minors. Yeah, but as far as the VGK roster now, outside of uh, the aforementioned players, it's all vets. It's a veteran aging veteran roster. So this type of roster, I think the team, if we're simply looking at Cassidy and Trotz, I think the roster in the current form, less whatever's going to happen in the next few weeks when free agency and everything starts, I think the roster is more suited for Cassidy, someone who's had a lot of skill in the top six and top nine versus Barry Trotz, who's going to build success from the team from the back out. Cassidy's going to look to basically, you know, find a way to get, you know, three to four goals on the board a game, whereas Trotz is going to say, listen, if we hold him to two, we win. So if if the only choice is Cassidy or Trotz, then there's nothing else lingering based on what the roster sits at. Uh, let's go Cassidy and let's let's see what happens. But if we end up with Trotz, that's okay too. If we end up with neither, that's a concern. And you know that it's shady business. One thing that you and I have discussed on here is about a release coming out during the news dump. So last night, the news was released at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So you've got a coach that's 271, 132 losses and 48. And a Jack Adams, as you had mentioned, Jack Adams winning coach. And during his tenure, they traded. There's some VGK ties in there. They traded away Riley Smith to Las Vegas. And they overpaid a couple of free agents, a free agent group that has included VGK players, former VGK players, I should say, Tomas Nosek and Eric Halla. Yeah, I mean, it, you always kind of wonder how things shake out. And Nosek had a very nice uh, run with the Golden Knights on that line four. And I mean, line four had some magic in the conference finals, and Nosek, I believe, had the, the GWG in our only Stanley Cup victory um, that we, our only Stanley Cup game winning victory, I should say, uh, back in season number one. And obviously, Ryan Reeves had some uh, some unpredictable magic going in that run as well. Hala, I honestly didn't 
get a chance to peek at his stats with Boston, but I haven't heard a whole lot. So I'm assuming, uh, you know, he probably just kind of hanging out there and couldn't rekindle the magic that uh, he had back on line two with uh, James Neal and uh, David Perron. Perron set to be a free agent this year. Hmm. Yeah, and so it's going to be interesting what happens there for Boston. But now also, again, you have a coach who's out there in Cassidy, and perhaps he could be – he's definitely on VGK's radar if a deal with Trotz is not done yet. And I have a week from yesterday as my date when they will announce a head coach at 7 p.m. Pacific time, I'm guessing they'll do it. <laughs> Someone pointed out to me, too, that they let Zizano Charo go. They just let him just walk. Uh-huh. But the one deal that really sticks out to me, of course, as you know, I'm a Ranger fan. The Rick Nash deal turned out to be a disaster. And the Rangers, in turn, for that deal, uh, Nash had all those concussion issues and never really performed up to his expectations in Boston. The Rangers, it turned out that they landed players like Ryan Strom, Ryan Lundgren, and uh, Keandre Miller. So that deal was a mess. And then when VGK Mm -hmm. played the Bruins this past season, don't you remember? They had all those COVID issues. And it's so hard for me. It's difficult for me, Chris, to grasp how coaches could get fired during all of these COVID issues during a COVID year. It's the whole thing is strange. And honestly, this might just simply be the spot where, hey, let's get a new voice. I mean, he's been there. He's been in the organization since 2008. Um, I I don't know if Kingston has an affiliation or not with him, but he's at least been with Providence and Boston going back to 2008. And if you want to take the glass is half empty approach, he's been to the playoffs six times. Never won a Stanley Cup, got close. Uh, we have a, a Stanley Cup final, a, a lost in round three in 1920, and then going back to this past season to Carolina's seven games. They just might feel he can't get him over the hump. It's not like the talent hasn't been there. I get the COVID issues that all teams have experienced to some degree over the last you know two seasons now. But maybe the Bruins just think he's not the one that's going to get him over the hump. You know, maybe it's the Bruce Boudreaux type thing. He'll get you in the playoffs. He'll have a great regular season. But when it really, really, really matters, maybe Cassidy was not the person in Boston. And hopefully he can take his uh, his hockey lessons, if you will, his uh, experience that he's gained. And wherever he goes, you know, Vegas or elsewhere, he's not going to be unemployed for longer than 10 minutes. I mean, he's got a... a very impressive resume. Should he want to re-enter uh, as an NHL head coach, he will get hired much sooner than later. And if it's Vegas, um, I'm okay with that. Hot commodity. And the media really likes him in Boston. Coming up next, reports this morning that Nazim Kadri of the Avalanche had thumb surgery. Will he play in the Stanley Cup final? More after this Unlocked on Golden Knights. Don't you just love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? It is so, so good. What if I told you that you can have all that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? You are in luck because caramel brownie is the new bar available at Built.com. And you got to act fast because they are quickly becoming a fan favorite. Forget about dessert. These are much better than than any dessert that you might have. Plus, the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and 4 grams of sugar. I would replace a regular brownie with Built.com's 
caramel brownie bar in a heartbeat. The best part, caramel brownie is covered and you guessed it, 100% real chocolate. Like for real, with Built, you don't have to sacrifice uh, sacrifice anything that's tasty for healthy. You can live with both. And all of that is made at Built.com. There are a million reasons that you should try any Built bar. But for now, let's just say that Caramel Brownie will rock your world. And that's not an understatement. With Built, tasty is the new healthy. Go to Built.com today and get your box of Caramel Brownie bars. And you have this offer again that we're, uh, ha- we have to mention right here on Lockdown VGK. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And we have a favor to ask of all of you. We are putting together a survey so that we can learn more about our listeners, all of our listeners like you that tune in daily to Lockdown VGK and make your favorite Lockdown podcast even better. That's what we're trying to do. So this is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Lockdown Podcast. Go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey. Again, that is LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get things started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 ticket master gift cards. So take our survey today. Go to lockdownpodcast.com slash survey. And thank you all for your help. And Chris, last night, the Colorado Avalanche, last night, uh, they completed the sweep over the Edmonton Oilers in dramatic fashion, winning in overtime. Mm-hmm. You were in the World Series of Poker this week, and I was just hoping that you won the whole thing and the gold, <laughs> gold bracelet that we could take downtown and pawn and buy a lifetime supply of built bars but colorado last night the sweep give us your thoughts i went on to the uh i went on to you know their little um spaces broadcast on twitter uh and i congratulated i was i was just chiming in i was congratulating everyone for making it to the stanley cup final when the avalanche were down two goals at that point i just kind of felt that they were going to come back and win it and let's talk about Colorado, I thought Edmonton was the best team going into the playoffs. My bad, my bad. But Colorado really has turned it on. And uh, now they will be the representative from the West. VGK fans, the VGK team, everyone I think is upset. The VGK media, they've been down on the avalanche, but it's a really good team. They just have to get their goaltending street uh, straight, I guess, uh, when they play in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, so if I would have been fortunate enough to win a bracelet, that would have been fun. But the uh, the one point two million dollar top prize, I think that was more of the uh, the priority, the bracelets, uh, whatever to that. But we were, we were hoping to get some cash. But we had a we had a fun time. We'll we'll, we'll play some more events and maybe we'll do some uh, later in this in uh, in the summer. We'll see. We'll have more some more success maybe. Um, looking at Colorado, there are some. I, I said this going into the conference final. Yes. Awesome sweep over Edmonton. Edmonton, their defense was a sieve. Uh, and Mike Smith uh, was Mike Smith. And that that moment in the sun, I think, uh, came and went as far as Mike Smith uh, looking to be uh, a playoff goalie you can trust. Because he's not. He is not. And 
he has some very, very good games. He is great to have on your roster as a goalie. But if you need to rely on him to carry your team through the playoffs, especially when your team can score four or five goals a game and you still lose, that's a problem. And I think we learned who the true Mike Smith, the true 41-year-old or 40, whatever he is, uh, Mike Smith really is. Looking on the Colorado side right now, there's some pierces in that armor. I've been saying it. Um, and that was even before um, uh, Kemper went down. And now we have rookie uh, Francis. He He's doing fine. He had some really good games. Can he win a Stanley Cup for Colorado? Now Nazim Kadri is out for what I would comfortably wager is the rest of the season. Jack Eichel, obviously, we know. And I don't know how similar these thumb injuries are. But I know Eichel did not need surgery at that time, or maybe he opted not to have surgery. I don't know the specifics behind that. But Eichel was able to play and contribute at a decent percentage of his uh, top-level skill sets. Whatever happened to Kadri, I mean, there was reports Kadri broke his entire arm at first. Like, there was all sorts of things swirling in all the media circles over that just terrible hit by Evander Kane. So... That's going to hurt the grits of Colorado. That hurts the depth of Colorado. Kadri was scoring uh, plenty of goals. So now you have your starting goalie outs. Now you have a energy role scoring player out. And you're going to go against either the Rangers, who are full of energy and hunger, or uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have the, the best leadership you could possibly have, the the first or second best goalie in the NHL, depending on how you want to uh, how you want to uh, you know split those hairs, I guess. Um, Colorado is not going to roll over whoever they play in the Stanley Cup final. It's not going to be a four game series unless they lose. It's not going to be a four game series. Um, if they win, it goes you know seven games, I think, and we're setting up for an amazing Stanley Cup final. But we have to uh, get through the East first before that happens. So we're guessing that Darcy Kemper will get the start in game one of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, he was on the bench last night. They said that he was ready to come back. And if needed, I guess they could have pressed him into action in game number four. He might have played game five if there were one. And Francis, during the course of the regular season, he was uh, at 15-5-1 and one and a 9-16 save percentage. So He's serviceable, but uh, I don't know if his goaltending would get that team over the top. So they definitely want to go with Kemper, um, who was the regular starting goaltender during the course of the season. So I wanted to ask, of course, Ref Chris now, put on your refereeing cap, um, about Arturi Lekkonen, the game winner. <laughs> so I, I thought that his stick was too high on the rebound tip before the winning goal was scored. And, uh, well, it resulted, what happened was Duncan Keith, I guess, lost uh, Lekkonen. But let's talk about the winning goal and whether or not it should have counted. And please, in your comments, don't echo what Don Koharski said. Uh, <laughs> no snap comments. He didn't say, oh, my snap. goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> not only did he say, oh, blank, with an S, not only did he say those comments, but they kept going on in the broadcast booth, which is almost a no-no. Like, they kept playing off of it. And But on the, the shot attempt, Chris, the stick has to be below the goalie's shoulders on a tip. And I thought that it was way up high. And uh, it cost, perhaps, it, well, a game. I, you know, we thought the Colorado, even if they lost that contest last night, uh, would come back. And they were far 
uh, more the better team. But what were your thoughts about that goal, which counted, and the game winner by Arturi and the series winner as well by Arturi Lakanen? So we have a few moving parts with that. Um, as far as a high stick when a goal is scored, there are two different ways to look at that. Number one, you cannot play the puck higher than the level of your shoulders. That's number one. Now, if the puck goes into the net as a direct deflection off of a possible high stick, now the measuring stick changes to the goal, to the top of the goal, at the top of the goalpost there, or the crossbar, pardon me. So that's a, a strange moving part to the rule. I've never understood why they just don't just call it the goalpost all, all around. But I guess if you're at center ice, you can't, you don't got a good view of the goalpost, so fine, whatever to that. So was the puck higher than the crossbar when he deflected it? And I, or no, I'm sorry, let's say that again. Was the puck higher than his shoulder when he deflected it? And it was close. Um, I think if there's one thing to look at, his blade was facing up. I think it more or less made contact with the heel of his blade. And I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn whatever the call on the ice was at that moment. Um, now, the other side to this, because Mike Smith made a save after the deflection happened. So I believe at that point, the puck was ruled live anyway. Now, there's another caveat to the rule. Like if I, if I do a hand pass, for example, I'm in the offensive zone and the puck is in the air and I just bat it directly off the goalie and then someone else goes ahead and scores the goal. I still believe even when that something like that happens, the goal would not be allowed because the initial play was illegal and against the rules in doing so. Now, if I make like a hand pass to myself or a defenseman touches it, then it's a live puck. But when the goalie is involved, then the rule changes a little bit. But to go back to the question, I don't think there was enough evidence to 100% conclude that there was a high stick on the initial contact. And at that point, it's no holds barred. It's whatever happens after that is a legal play, regardless of who touches it. I don't think the wrong call was made by any means. Now, if they would have ruled it a high stick at ice level immediately, of course, if they rule it a high stick at ice level immediately, then the play doesn't even happen. And it's blown dead no matter what. So that's another thing to look at, because the second the, the high stick occurs, and then if the player goes back and touches it, then the play gets blown dead anyway. So there would be no review. So kind of a strange situation happening there. But to your point, Tony, Colorado was winning this series. And even if Colorado doesn't score in that moment, whether it's disallowed or not, I think Colorado is still winning that game. Edmonton just could not keep up. And, um, you know, better luck next year, Mike Smith. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's going to be Marc-Andre Fleury, who is a free agent. Cal <laughs> uh, McCarr continues oh, his crazy. superstar ways. Five-point night last night uh, in the clinching game, and the defenseman now with 22 points uh, in the playoffs. And then uh, on the Edmonton side, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they need a supporting cast, and as you mentioned, a better goaltender. Mike Smith just won't get it done there. You have to talk a little bit about, uh, again, the courage of a Leon Dreisaitl playing through all of those injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, 
yeah, you have to wonder about how he was feeling if he could have gone much further in the playoffs. They shortened his shifts, I think, in the game last night uh, to the detriment, obviously, of his team. Uh, but the heart of a champion to just keep playing through all sorts of injuries. I mean, if you had a player like Evander Kane out there, at least in that game, that could have helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, had, had, had to get the dig in there. But yeah, Dreisaitl, like, Dreisaitl is we, – we highlighted him uh, last week, I believe, and all his numbers he puts up – like, he puts up better numbers at times than Connor McDavid, but it gets lost in the shuffle because of Connor McDavid. So Leon Dreisaitl, like, is he the is he the modern day Scotty Pippen? You know, is he going to be the? Of course, he's probably not going to take a Scotty Pippen type contract ever in his career. That was uh, yeah, that was a huge mistake. But I mean, 105, 110, 110, and then in the 56 shortened game season, 84 points. I mean, he was on pace for that season. He's on pace for 120 points. It's just absolutely remarkable how good this guy is and how under the radar. He is anywhere outside of Edmonton. And yes, I mean, we, we've seen this before with a player, you know, on a with a bad wheel out there or a bad back trying to get through it. And, you know, looking at Mark Stone and you definitely can see the difference of when they're hobbling, when they're just not at 100 percent. And it's unfortunate that's how things uh, shook out. But that's I mean, that's that's what the Stanley Cup playoffs are. It is survival. It is attrition. It is next player up and who can step up when someone is hurting. And Edmonton, I mean, they had the depth as far as on the offensive side goes, and they just couldn't stop Colorado from scoring four or five goals a game. Coming up next, we'll talk about game number four in the ECF. Can Tampa hold home ice advantage as they trail the Rangers 2-1 to in the series? You are listening to Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. We thank you so much for making us your first listen. And for your second listen, make sure that you check out Locked On Now, that podcast with nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all of our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. So, Chris, game four of the ECF tonight in Tampa. And I felt that the Rangers blew a huge opportunity when they squandered a 2-0 lead in Game 3, they would have put a ton of pressure on the Lightning if they could have held on, would have went up 3-0 in the series. Experience, as we saw, pays off this time of the season, especially late in the the playoffs, and the Rangers don't have that playoff experience, uh, not even close to what uh, Tampa Bay displays. Uh, The Rangers, in a really tough game situation tonight, They need to try to steal a game and then head back home to MSG. Gerard Gallant is concerned about keeping the lightning off of Igor Shosturkin tonight. He got banged around a lot. Uh, Turk said even Kucherov was hacking at the back of Shesty's legs in that game. And then we saw Corey Price in the crease and the contact there and a nice flop Ola, of course, by Shesty. But with all of that, I think that's going to be a major concern for the Rangers, and also they need to keep Tampa out of its out of the O zone because the Lightning outshot the Rangers fifty-one to thirty, and no goalie on the planet could face that type of pressure consistently. Uh, I mean, we we talked about shots on goals so much, and we've seen you know Vegas outshoot an opponent by large margins and stuff like that. I'm starting to put a lot less 
stock in the shots on goal. Now, everything else, very, very valid. Um, this is why you have Ryan Reeves in your lineup. This is why you have Ryan Reeves in your lineup, because if Corey Perry, if Kucherov, if all these players are going to start messing with uh, with Chesterkin, then Ryan Reeves has to go to his job. He might end up taking you know, a penalty in doing so, but it could be well-deserved. Credit to Shurkin for definitely uh, selling that uh, the contact by Corey Perry. That I mean, that's that's part of the game. That's part of his job. There, he's getting that call either way. There, because I mean, he basically got hit in the neck when the puck was kind of already uh, away from him. Uh, another credit to what you said is the leadership and experience of Tampa Bay. It's going to be very difficult for the Rangers to go in there and steal a game after being up to nothing after having all of the momentum on their side after the, the two quick power play goals. Um, side note, I made a, a joking comment on Twitter after the Rangers got those two consecutive power play goals. I said, man, wouldn't it be nice to have a, a coach like Jar- Gerard Gallant in Vegas who can have a, a power play scoring big goals in big situations? So kind of a fun little uh, playoff words there. But unfortunately, unfortunately, Gallant could not finish that game. Um you know, they had their foot on the throat of the Tampa Bay Lightning. You let them back, let them back in the series, and now it's going to be incredibly difficult to finish them off. That said, the worst thing that's going to happen, Tony, is the New York Rangers are going to be 2-2 two to two without and still have home ice advantage. So the Rangers are still in a fine spot. If they can go out there and get a 3-1 lead, that would obviously be – tremendous um but if the rangers don't win tonight i don't think the pressure level changes at all i think they're still in the driver's seat in the series and i think uh game five just became uh, the most important game of the series rangers they have to avoid a game seven because justin bieber has uh, his concert at madison square garden on the night of game seven and we don't want to disrupt the bieber show and uh, a lot with the game winner you know uh, Kreider of, of the Rangers, I thought, took on a captain's role after the uh-huh. game because he blamed, he took the blame. He shouldered the blame for the game-winning goal by Palat, um, saying that he was puck-watching. And that's the accountability, I think, that you like to see, even though I didn't think it was so much his fault as it was uh, Mika and his, uh, he, he just his indecisiveness there on the wing as Palat was crashing towards the net. But I just I like the accountability side and that aspect with Chris Kreider. And I, I just thought that that was uh, that was something else. I think that that is a big statement for someone to make. And I think his teammates surely appreciate that. Even Gerard Gallant said, hey, you know what? I'm not blaming anyone on the game winner. He said that the puck was held in and it took a very awkward bounce first off of the ice. And he goes, those things happened. The play was executed well. Took nothing away from Tampa, but I just like the way that Chris Kreider, um, the way that Kreider stepped up. I'm watching the goal over and over right now, trying to find exactly where Kreider's positioning was. And I mean, you can see the puck take that strange bounce. I mean, Kreider, I don't know. I, he turned his he head a little bit, he said. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I mean, he's like you said, he's taking on the captain's role there and he doesn't want I mean, he's, he's an experienced vet. He is the leader of that team. So when he steps up and says something, he's basically saying, you guys got, you know, you guys being the media, of course, you want to talk about that goal, talk to me about it. 
don't talk to my goalie, don't talk to my defenseman that was out there. You come to me and I'll give you an honest answer. And I like that. That's leadership. That's accountability. And that just shows the locker room chemistry that exists there. Everyone in the Rangers knows you're not going to fault anyone. It's a good goal. I mean, Tampa is the back-to-back Stanley Cup uh, champions and the, the president's trophy winning team before that. So, you know, give Tampa some credit here. They battled back at home. They rode the energy of their fans. They got that quick power play goal right after they were down uh, two nothing with, with, which got them going. It's just, it's a good hockey game. And maybe instead of shouldering blame and all the things that, you know, all the cliche uh, playoff stuff that happens, let's just say good game and let's get ready for an awesome game for tonight. Cause it's going to be great. There's uh, so many, so much more storylines. You're going to see Gallant riding the refs from the word go. You're going to see even more traffic around Chester and you're going to see them trying to get in his head more. And they're going to hope a defenseman or Ryan Reeves or someone takes a bad penalty in retaliation. Um, from an officiating perspective, I'm curious if there's going to be an early penalty called to set the tone. So let's just say Tishirkin freezes the puck right away and someone just lightly gives a tap. And then all of a sudden, you know, a melee breaks out. They'll look to possibly give the penalty for slashing the goalie, but also take someone on the Rangers side for roughing them up and just to say, guys, here's the example, here's what's going to happen. And then the players will adjust their game after that. Once they realize that the refs are going to keep things clean around the crease and not just um, on the Rangers side, but also in front of Vasilevsky, because I would look for the Rangers to also look to, uh, you know, try and get in Vasilevsky's head a little bit. And Ryan Reeves might uh, get the skate plays in the crease a little bit more and back into them. And, you know, it's, uh, it's the game within the game. Within the game, within the game. We're going to go a few more layers deeper on this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to watch it. Sounds like some lyrics for Justin Bieber's next song right there. Uh, And, you know, I just think that, again, that first goal is going to be important. I think it's going to be important for Tampa to stay out of the penalty box because the Rangers have been so good on the power play. And five on five, I think Tampa is uh, getting the best of the Rangers uh, throughout the course of this series. Uh, do you think that Tampa is really missing Braden Point right now, especially at a crucial and pivotal time in this series, in this game coming up tonight? Of course. I mean, anytime you take away, you know, one of your players that's chewing up a ton of minutes, that you're definitely going to be, uh, you know, missing. I mean, when you lose a center, you got to move a lot of things around, put someone in a position they're maybe not used to, and you just kind of mess up that chemistry a little bit. Uh, I know Braden Point's been on the ice practicing. Um, he was practicing with the regular skaters yesterday, but Cooper immediately said he's not playing tonight. So uh, what they were saying on the NHL network uh, is, you know, maybe game six, maybe game seven, provided uh, we go that far. I uh, have to wait and see. But the second he, he does get back out there, that will be a big boost for Tampa as far as getting their lines back together and uh, just getting that momentum. Once you get one of your, uh, you know, another one of your, uh, not necessarily leaders when you compare it to some of the other talent on that roster, but just a role player that comes back in there, that's going to be a big motivational boost and something else for you, your young Rangers to have to deal with. Make sure you check your Twitter feed tonight, Chris, around 7 o'clock Pacific time. Maybe we'll uh, have a new head coach here. Uh, we thank you, you all. Me that fast, that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you all for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen every day. For your second listen, make sure you check out Locked On NHL. 
Locked on NHL covers the playoff, the playoff uh, picture like no other as we're winding down here. Exciting climax to the season. Hear all the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. For my man, Chris G, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco from Las Vegas, and we'll see you once again tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.